I'm Virginia Allen. I'm Samantha Sherris. And this is the Daily Signal Top News for Friday, March 24th. Here are today's headlines. The House of Representatives voted earlier today on the Parents' Bill of Rights. The bill would require schools to give parents access to curriculum and reading lists. It would also require schools to notify parents if the school was encouraging or promoting a child's transgender identity. Every Democrat voted against the bill, and five Republicans also voted against it, citing concerns over the amount of power it gives the federal government. But the Parents' Bill of Rights did still pass in the House. And here with us to explain more is Heritage Foundation Education Fellow Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Great to be here. So let's talk a little bit about what is entailed in this bill and why it's a little bit controversial, obviously among Democrats, but even among some Republicans. So all of the uh, Democrats in the House voted against the bill. Why, why are Democrats saying that they oppose the Parents' Bill of Rights? So they're citing culture war issues and that this is going to make it more difficult for teachers to do their jobs. I think what they're really rebelling against is what's happening in the state. Because over the past decade or more, we've had a dozen or more state legislators adopt parent bills of rights that say parents are their child's primary caregiver, parents should be able to see what is being taught in their child's classroom, parents have a right to know and opt out of or at least receive approval for any sort of medical intervention, including counseling that's going on concerning their child. So as you know, those on the left side of the aisle see this happening in states around the U.S. and then reflected now with what's going on in Congress, I think they would just say, you know, this is uh, contrary, right, to their effort to really uh, control the radical ideology, right, that's coming through both the instruction around, quote, gender material and radical racial instruction in K-12 schools. I mean, that's what you know, the left side has really been pushing. But then we did see that there were five Republicans, uh, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Ken Buck of Colorado, Matt Gates of Florida, Mike Lawler of New York, and Matt Rosendale of Montana, who also voted against it. Why, why do they say that they oppose the Parents' Bill of Rights? Well, you, we really have to, as conservatives, look at what's in this proposal and question, is everything that's being uh, included here within the realm of federal authority. And clearly there's some key pieces that are, right? There's some updates, for example, to FERPA, which is Family Rights and Education. Uh, that's long overdue. And that is something that Washington should be doing. They do have it within their authority to update the FERPA provisions. And I, I would hope that they continue to do so. Now, on the other hand, there are other parts that involve how often a child should meet with their teacher, um, uh, issues related to, quote, challenging state standards, which that's kind of unsettling language, right, for conservatives that lived through the Common Core era. So um, I think, you know, Congress, really what's going on here is that the uh, leadership is reflecting what's happening in the state. And appropriately, it's so they're recognizing that parents do want, right, and should have the authority over their child's education. 
Um, and that's a good sign, right? It's a good sign that conservatives in Congress are paying attention to this. And so now I think it's just a matter of making sure that what they propose falls within the authority of uh, Washington as opposed to states and uh, local policymakers. So the Parents' Bill of Rights, it did pass in the House today. So what's next for this bill? Well, I mean, you know, we'll see what the interest is in the other chamber. Uh, I would argue that, um, again, I think the attention being paid to FERPA here is really important. I think there could be some really key updates that would be uh, that could be made here. And then otherwise, it's really going to ha- happen in the states. I mean, that's where the action is. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, more than a dozen states this year considering proposals that uh, do many of the things um, that are included in this this federal proposal. So, you know, the work is going to happen at the states. Uh, and of course, you know, parents and educators are the ones closest to children and closest to what's going on with the school. So uh, they are the ones in the best position to be uh, determining the provisions and the scope of, uh, of these models. Heritage Foundation Education Fellow Jonathan Butcher. Jonathan, appreciate you joining today. Thanks for your time. Thank you. On Thursday night, Congress shed light on the human rights abuses of the Chinese Communist Party. The House Congressional Select Committee on the CCP held a hearing Thursday night to discuss China's genocide of Uyghur Muslims. Over the past several years, America has slowly learned more about the fact that China is holding Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps. Uyghurs are a Turkic ethnic group and live in northwest China. Today, Uyghurs are facing genocide at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. Two women who have been in the Chinese concentration camps testified before Congress on Thursday night. Gupahard Haituwache is a Uyghur woman. She lived and worked in China before moving to France. At the end of 2016, she was called back to China for an issue that she was told regarded her retirement pension. But when she returned to China, she was arrested and sent to a re-education camp. Speaking through a translator, she explained what daily re-education looked like. We spent 11 hours uh, in that camp to learn brainwashing uh, education. It includes history, law, and also, we have to sing red songs, and each, at the end of each week, and we have to test that, about what we have learned. Haituwache says she experienced torture while in the camp. The other witness, Kelvinor Saduk, explained in graphic details to members of Congress what some of that torture entailed. Saduk was a teacher in the re-education camps in 2017. She recalled to Congress how the women in the concentration camps are given a mysterious medicine every week. 90% of the female prisoners are from 18 years old to 40 years old. After they take those medicines, the period will stop. Even some uh, women who were breastfeeding the babies, the breast milk will stop after after taking that medicine. Human rights activists and experts also spoke before Congress and gave a number of policy recommendations, including working to prevent U.S. investors from investing in Chinese entities implicated in these human rights violations. Check out today's show notes for more coverage of this topic. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis thinks the Chinese-owned app TikTok is a security risk and is in favor of banning it. 
when DeSantis was asked if he would ban the app during an exclusive interview with Fox Nation host Pierce Morgan, he had this to say. I would. I think so. Would you? I think so. I mean, I think from everybody in America. I think I think it's a security risk. I think they are harvesting so much data uh, on our citizens. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of other apps and stuff mm -hmm. that are out there. And honestly, Pierce, I got young kids. I don't want our kids on some of this stuff. The Florida governor is expected to announce a run for presidency in 2024 soon. Of course, DeSantis' interview with Morgan comes as the CEO of TikTok, Sho Chu, appeared before the House Energy and Commerce Committee on Thursday for a hearing titled TikTok, How Congress Can Safeguard American Data Privacy and Protect Children from Online Harms. Even after more than five hours of questioning, it appears many Democrats and Republican lawmakers are not satisfied with TikTok's plan to prevent China's access to American user data. It remains to be seen whether or not Congress will follow through and act to ban the app across America. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Friday for the Daily Signal's top news. If you haven't gotten a chance, be sure to subscribe to our morning show right here in this podcast feed where we interview lawmakers, experts, and leading conservative voices. Join us on Monday morning. I'm going to be sitting down with Ryan Bomberger. He's the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation and co-author of a brand new children's book called She Is She that celebrates women and the fact that only women are women. Also, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope that you all have a great weekend and we'll see you right back here on Monday morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.